You are listening to content from Christ Our Hope Anglican Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. For more information, you can find us on the web at ChristOurHopeAnglican.org. And now, here's today's message. So I have a question for you this morning. What is the most important moment of your life? Take a moment and think about it. Remember, perhaps if you can't think of the most important one, at least think of moments that are deeply impactful, deeply important to you. What comes to mind? Was it when you knew the calling for your vocation and you knew what that was and you set upon that path? Or perhaps when you met and married the person who would be your spouse? Perhaps it would be when you had children, and everything changes at that moment. Certainly it sets the course of your life in a way that everything's different after that time. Or perhaps, especially because we're in church, many of you are thinking of that moment that you decided to follow Jesus. Full marks for that answer. (laughs) But... There's another moment, too, that each of us will face that I think stands up there at the chief of of important moments. And Jesus reminds um, his followers of it here in Luke chapter 12. There is the moment where we will come face to face with our Lord. All of us will have a moment where either Christ returns, the trumpet sounds, we rise up to meet him in the air, or we die. And at the moment of our death, we come to know and see Jesus, we have a moment of judgment coming. And this moment is perhaps the most important moment that all humans face, the moment of judgment. It looks back at the moment where we decided to follow Jesus. We, We come to him in faith and confidence because of that moment, but it is because of the moment of judgment that we have to turn to faith And for many, this notion that we are going to one day be judged is something that they are afraid of. But Jesus doesn't actually tell his disciples to think about this moment so that they will be afraid and anxious. In fact, when you look at what's going on in Luke chapter 12, it's exactly the opposite. In in essence, what God's word has for us, what Jesus is telling his disciples in Luke chapter 12 is, don't worry, you're going to die. And perhaps at a surface level, that sounds ridiculous. So turn with me, if you have your Bible, to Luke chapter 12. I actually want us to start a little bit before today's reading. I want to go back to the reading um, that was you heard last week with Father Tony, um, because I think that that reading actually sets the tone for the stories that follow. And so if you were here last week and you heard this read, it was Jesus, it was the parable of the rich fool. Um, Jesus tells a a man in the crowd, there's a crowd around Jesus listening to him teach, and a man calls out and says, teacher, uh, tell my brother to divide our family inheritance with me. And he wants Jesus as a rabbi to make a ruling on this particular aspect of the law. Most likely he's the younger brother, the older brother gets a double portion of the inheritance, but also the older brother gets to decide whether he's going to split up the family estate 
or kind of keep it together and allow the lands to stay together and keep producing. So most likely what he wants is Jesus to say, yes, your brother needs to actually give you your portion of the estate. Split up the estate if that's what you want because you have a third of the inheritance. And, and so let's give that to you so that you can go be on your way. But Jesus doesn't do anything of the sort. In fact, as so often, Jesus doesn't directly answer his question at all. Instead, Jesus starts to tell a parable. He tells this parable about a rich man who started gathering grain. He had a huge harvest, and he thinks, what am I going to do with this huge harvest? And he says, I know what I'll do. I'll build large storehouses, and I'm going to store all of this grain. I'm going to put it in there, and then I will be secure. I'll have wealth that I can sit on. And I'll know that no matter what happens in the days ahead, if I have stored this and I have kept it, I'll be okay. And Jesus says that this man then found out that that very night that God had called him to his death. That all of that wealth that he had gathered meant nothing because now he was leaving it behind to die and come face to face with God. And at the heart of the meaning of his message is he's looking at the way that we try to build security for ourselves. We try to use wealth or some amount of prestige. We try to take these things and we kind of hold on to them and we hope and we hoard and we hope that if I hold on to this, that this will truly make me secure. And there's a sense that oftentimes even having great wealth ends up bringing this feeling like you need more and more and more. And so this person is gathering far more than he actually needs, trying to hold on to it in the hopes that he can be secure. And Jesus says his anxiety is all misplaced. He doesn't need to be worrying about his money because he's going to die that very night. And even though you do not know that it will be tonight or next year, or when at all. You know that you are going to die. So don't worry about wealth. Don't worry about the things that don't last, that cannot actually bring you any true security. No amount of money in your 401k can keep you from having that appointed meeting with your Lord. No amount of wealth can add a single hour to the days that Christ has appointed for you. And so why worry? You're going to die anyway. And then Jesus goes on, to he turns to his disciples, and he continues to teach them about worry and anxiety. And he says this is not just a message for the wealthy, because so often we want to say, well, I'm not hoarding great wealth. I don't even have great wealth. I'm not in danger of falling into the love of money, and so maybe this word isn't for me. So Jesus turns to his disciples, many of whom probably have very little, and he says, why do you worry? Look around. Look at the birds of the air. Look at the ravens. God feeds them. They have enough. Look at the lilies in the field. And God clothes them, and Solomon in all of his splendor was not clothed as these. So why do you worry? And I think sometimes my instinct when I read that passage is to answer, because I'm not a bird. <laughs> I can't go outside and find enough food to feed my family lying on the ground in the grass. 
I'm not a lily. Trust me, you want me to be clothed. <laughs> but that's not the point. The point is, of course, that God understands our needs, and we oftentimes approach life and the world itself as if the fundamental rule of life is one of scarcity. We worry, will there be enough? Will there be enough for today? Will there be enough for tomorrow? Will there be enough for five years from now and ten years from now? And we look at these resources and we say, fundamentally, we are living in a world of scarcity, and so I need to make sure that I have enough for me and mine and my family. And Jesus instead says, look at the world your father has actually created. And it's a world of abundance. I spent the week up in Estes Park and I took walks by mountain streams and I saw flowers blooming in the fields and I stood under, um, under great trees. I accidentally walked around a corner and like looked over to my right because I thought I heard a small animal rustling, which it probably was, and then looked over to my left and there's like a dozen feet away there's an elk with a huge rack of antlers and I'm like, this is just beautiful. A little further on, I saw a black-footed ferret, which was thought extinct not very long ago. And then they were reintroduced into Colorado. And I saw this little ferret, like, bounding through the, the, um, the grass. And I thought, this is just beautiful, it's wonderful, and it's abundant. I know some of you sometimes drive east, and you end up driving through Nebraska. And this time of year, the corn is tall. But actually, one of my favorite times is to go in the times of the year where the fields lie fallow, and you see they're already turned up, and that you see that rich black dirt, and you go, this just has potential. It's a place of abundance. Because that is the way that God has made the world. And when we look at the world that God has created, and we think of it as a world of abundance, it helps to relieve us of our fear and our anxiety. But still, we know that some go hungry. Even some who are faithful. And so when Jesus tells his disciples, seek the kingdom of God, and all of these things will be added to you as well, it makes us say, really? For some of us, are, are you sure? Well, I really have enough if I turn my focus there. I think one of the things he reminds us as well in this, and this is, of course, this is the Gospel of Luke. And one of the things that Luke is actually at pains to remind us is that if we live according to the way that God has asked us to, if we seek first the kingdom, then we become a place where God's kingdom is then breaking into the world and the hungry are fed. One of the very first concerns in the book of Acts, which is Luke's sequel to, to the Gospel of Luke, they go together, is how are we going to distribute food to the people, the widows who are hungry, who don't have enough? And there are people appointed in the church. This is where the order of deacons comes from. And the church is making sure that there are people who are fed because they are living according to the kingdom. As people are generous, as they are giving, they find out that there is enough. When we start to think of it as us, when we start to think of it as God is providing for his people, he is providing for his kingdom, there is enough. 
and we don't have to live in fear. But it goes beyond that, because Jesus is not just pointing to you having a meal for tomorrow. In fact, when we look at other passages in the Gospels, and we look at other passages in the Epistles, we know that there are times where Jesus says things like, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. The birds have nests, the foxes have dens, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Or we look at the Apostle Paul who says, I've been hungry, I've been beaten, I've suffered, I've had lack. But he's also able to say, and yet I know the secret to being content in the midst of all of that. I know what it is to have nothing and still be content because I have the joy of knowing and serving my Lord. I have the faith of knowing that his kingdom will endure, that even if this body perishes, that there is something more that awaits me and there is something eternal that awaits me and I am investing for that moment. I'm not investing for the next 30 years. I'm looking at things at a much larger scale. I'm investing for the next 300 years, for the next 3,000 years, for the next 3 million years. I have this short life here and I will die. But why do I worry about this short life when there is so much more ahead of me? That is what God calls us to, to live as his people, to live where we seek the kingdom because we know that the investment that we make in the kingdom pays dividends forever and ever and ever. This is the point of our reading today when we get to the portion of the gospel that we heard today, beginning in Luke chapter 12, verse 32, where he says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Not fear not, little flock, because I'm going to make sure that you have enough food for tomorrow. Jesus does say, hey, don't focus on that. Don't make that your focus, because you'll get that too if you live as I asked you to. But above all, he says, It's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He's giving you the things that really matter, the things that endure, the thing that your heart needs more than anything else. So he says, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If you are seeking and striving after wealth or the right job or the right relationship to bring you security, you will find out that you'll never have enough, no matter how much you have. You'll find out that it can be taken away from you and you can lose it, no matter how much you've invested in it. But if you seek after the kingdom, it will never be taken away from you. Not today, not tomorrow, not a thousand years from now. You will have it and it will last and it will endure. I was up in Estes Park at the, the Go Congress. Um, so I was playing a board game uh, for most of the week. And the first couple days I got there, there's, uh, when you first get there, actually, you get a name tag. And it has your name on it and it also has your rank at the game. And so for this week as you're walking around, like when you walk up to somebody 
and you meet them, like the first thing they do is they look for your name, but they also look for your rank. And it is hard, at the, the first couple days, I was falling into this mindset of feeling like, okay, I'm being judged based on how good I am at this game. And so if I meet somebody and they're stronger than me, somehow they're kind of superior, they're ahead of me. If I meet somebody and I'm stronger than them, then well, I know where we fit on the totem pole and where we rank. And these are people who have strived after this game to be good. Some of them are really good. And yet I talked to many people as the week went um, on who were on an absolute ranking, they're stronger than me. And yet as the week went on and they lost a few games, they became very unhappy. <laughs> because they'd fallen into the trap that is set for them to find your identity based on what that number is as to how good are you at the game. And if they started to lose and they'd spent all this time investing in the game, it actually started to shake their identity. Maybe I've wasted all my time. Maybe I'm just not good enough. Maybe I need to try harder and I have to find the way to try harder, but, but maybe that won't work. Maybe I'll try and strive and I'll, I'll work and I'll never get to where I want to be. And there's this anxiety that hangs over some people as they enter in to play this game. I had a moment on Tuesday where I actually started to get caught up in that a little bit, where I lost a few games in a row and I started to feel a little bit grumpy. And then we had a day off on Wednesday. And on my day off, I went and hiked up to a spot on the YMCA campus called Bible Point. Um, so it's great. There's psalms along the path as you're walking up. And so there's, there's psalms, and you get up to the top, and there's a cross, and you can look down at um, the YMCA camp on one side, and then if you go to the other side, you can see Rocky Mountain National Park spread out below you as well. So it's this beautiful spot. And I thought, what am I doing? <laughs> like, why am I getting caught up and being concerned about how I'm doing in this game? Not that I don't enjoy the game. I, I, it's fun to play. But my identity is not in that. My security is not in how much stronger I can get. My security is in Jesus. I came down from that, that point that I looked out, and the west, rest of the week was so much better. The rest of the week was so much better. I won some games, and I lost some games. I made some friends. It was all good. And through it all, I remember that my identity is in Christ. My security is in Him. Not in my bank account, not in my strength at the game of Go. I was walking in a place of abundance. I saw beauty. And I remembered that my Father loves me. And so when I came down from the mountain, this is a delight. To be here with you, remembering that we are all entered into that kingdom of God. To remember that our identity, we all know that our identity is in Christ. Not in the things that the world gets caught up in thinking that your identity is in. That my security is in Christ. Not in the things that the world thinks that my security is going to be in. God has given us the kingdom. 
This is not just a promise for a long distant future. It broke into the earth when Jesus came and walked among us. That's the message of Jesus and his whole, his whole message and ministry is the kingdom is here. The kingdom has come. Were you looking? Did you see it? Did you notice it? Did you forget that you're in the kingdom? That it's here? Remember, this is where your security lies. This is where your identity lies. God has given you an abundance. Don't forget that. Because the world will try so hard to make you forget that. And it's so easy to get caught up in striving after something that will never give you the real sense of security that is being called for. And it will not last. The next story that Jesus tells as he follows up and that we heard is of the, those uh, servants who are waiting for their master to come back from a wedding feast. And he says, those who are ready, they'll be rewarded. They'll have the joy of being served. But those who forget, forget what they're waiting for. That don't remember what they, that they are waiting for the master. They will be punished when he returns. There will come a day, not so long from now, where you will see Jesus face to face. What will you show him? and tell him of how you spent the gifts that he has given you? Have you spent them to build up the kingdom, the wealth that he has given you, the money? Have you given generously of that for the sake of the kingdom? To make a world that is more just, where the poor and the hungry are being fed. To carry forth the gospel and good news and invite others to join us at the wedding feast. Are you using your money well? Or your time? What are you investing your time in? Are you investing it in things that will endure past that moment of your death? And the death of your children and their children? Are you investing it in the kingdom, the one thing that will endure forever and ever? Don't worry about the things that won't last. About your money, about your legacy. You're going to die anyway. Those things will fade. Strive after the kingdom of God. Because it will endure forever. Amen. This sermon is an audio ministry from Christ Our Hope Anglican Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. If you are in the area and would like to learn more about how you can worship with us in person or online, please visit us on the web at www.christourhopeanglican.org.